Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where we talk about relationships, culture, and dating from a male and a female perspective. We took a week off because Eliza isn't feeling the best, but she is being a trooper and coming on today despite her still recovering from a horrible illness and a sore throat. So how do you sound, Eliza? I think you sound pretty all right to me. Yeah, I, as the day goes on, I'm sounding better. So I, I've got a strepsil in my mouth, but I feel like if I talk for more than 20 minutes, sometimes I lose my voice. So just bear with me. I sound a bit gross, but I'm here. You can okay. hear me. Well, I'll cover. I'll, I'll uh, yeah. do most of the talking, which I usually <laughs> do anyway. So we'll try to keep this one to 30, 40 minutes. Um, I'm currently in the middle of the stand-up tour. So come along. I'm doing Adelaide and Melbourne the weekend of when this podcast comes out. Then I've got the two Queensland shows and then Newcastle, Canberra and the big one in Sydney. The Sydney one's looking like it's going to sell out. The others are all selling well. So get your tickets. Uh, 150 is coming up, which I said was the last one I'd be doing. Um, So we're going to do a big episode for that. And with Eliza's voice the way it is and with a few shows I have coming up next weekend, we'll probably wait another two or three weeks before that one. So do apologize. Been a week or two. Now there's this episode and then there'll likely be another two or three weeks before the the, the big finale. Uh, and of course, Eliza will then take over the podcast from there. But today we thought we'd be talking about being insecure in a relationship and how that can disadvantage you in the long in the long run and you can actually end up being quite a bad partner if you're too insecure and i wanted to relate it to what's happening with will and jada at the moment i know you guys love it when we talk about the celebrity couples especially when they've got issues and yeah i'm out of the loop on this as well so really you haven't seen anything about this no i don't know and if i have i haven't paid attention to it (laughs) Oh, that's surprising. I, I thought you're in, in with all the celebrity goss. I know. Wow. So, okay. We all know what happened in the Oscars last year. Chris Rock made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith having alopecia, being bald, and then Will Smith gets up, how dare you keep my wife's name out of your mouth, blah, 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 slaps him, Chris Rock keeps going. Big scandal uh, all across social media. And Chris also came out with a stand-up special late last year. I think it was was maybe early this year where he uh, roasts Will and the relationship that the pair have. Now, prior to this, uh, Jada and Will had always been quite a interesting couple to say the least the way they spoke about their relationship they were often very public about it mainly from her she has a podcast called the red table talk or something like that and many people would say she's quite disrespectful in the way she communicates about will and the way she talks about him and their relationship and then this seemed to have gone to another level recently where she did an interview where she said Will and I haven't even been married since 2016. Uh, and everyone was quite confused about that. And she was saying, I, I was uh, uh, taken aback when he said, keep my wife's name out of your mouth because I'm no yeah. longer your wife. Oh. And she keeps going on about how she was very close with Tupac, the late rapper who died 26 years ago now. So quite a long time ago. And most people are saying... They weren't even that close and she's just saying this for clout and attention and she's, I don't know the exact words, but she's been saying things along the lines of, you know, Tupac was my true love and Tupac 
was the guy that's always been on my mind despite being married to, to Will Smith. And even even uh, before all this uh, escapade with the slap and everything, there was a, a podcast where they actually aired their di- dirty laundry, spoke about their relationship extremely candidly, and she spoke about how she had a quote-unquote entanglement with one of the uh, the son's friends who's a rapper. And by entanglement, she means an affair or I, I don't know if they're open or they're polyamorous. They're just a very... Uh, strange Hollywood couple that uh, has a lot going on. They're very public with their relationship, but now everyone on social media is against her. And even Saturday Night Live made a sketch mocking her. A lot of people are making fun of her. And hey, when the slap happened, I was saying, look, I think Jada is emotionally abusive and people were not happy about that. And by uh, by people, I mean like three people messaged me, but hey, you know. (laughs) That's um, I like to. That's people. Yeah, make it seem like, yeah. hey, look, the whole world was against me, and I just pushed through. <laughs> and I was right. <laughs> yeah, and I was right. You know, I, I feel uh, vindicated, and uh, you could you could just tell from the way she spoke about him, the way she spoke to him, always eye rolling, always seemed annoyed at him, and this is what they're broadcasting in public. And yeah. there's a video of her going live on Instagram filming Will and him basically saying, hey, I'm, I don't, I'm not comfortable being filmed right now. I don't want to be filmed. And it's a live. So it's going out to probably no. thousands, if not millions of people. And then she's saying, but she's getting annoyed. She's saying, oh, you always do this. You, It's just your tokenistic, uh, you know, na- yeah, sort of nagging, annoyed wife but to the point where it just seems like she's being controlling and some many would say emotionally abusive and and many online would say narcissistic now i know i'm not a fan of those words i think they're uh they should be used sparingly so let's say controlling uh but that that's the gist of the situation I'm not up to date on the exact details. And Will hasn't really said much. Will comes across as more of a gentleman. He he says things yeah. like, oh, look, this is between the two of us. And there's there's footage of him talking about how much the marriage meant to him and how much he loves her and how much it was always his dream to be married and have a wife that he can pr- protect and provide for. And mm. and then the daughter was rolling her eyes and the, the mo- uh, Jada was also rolling her eyes. And look, well, we don't know what happens behind closed doors here, but it just... Wow. It looks bad. It looks really bad. And um, it, it, I think it, it could be a good transition into what we're talking about because it, it, it seems as though, well, look, it's, it's, it's virtuous and noble to stick through a bad relationship and obviously you can't expect someone to never be annoyed at you and mm. never upset you or offend you in any way, shape or form. But when it's this public, when it's this pronounced, when it's when it's this extreme, mm. it seems as though only an insecure person would still uh, put up with that without having a boundary there or yeah. divorcing that person. And that's what everyone online is saying. So uh, I think this is a great example of what can happen when you're, when you're insecure in a, in a relationship or when you just don't feel comfortable asserting your boundaries or you you have this idealistic approach where 
look, whenever it gets tough, we have to keep going, we have to push through, which is important. And I think a lot of people do need more of that. But this is a situation where everyone online, not not just men and women, everyone is saying, will divorce her. If you haven't already, we don't really know what the situation is. The kids are old as well, and I'm sure, look, they're multimillionaires. They're going to be fine. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, I'm surprised you haven't heard anything about it. I saw a video on um, of someone like debunking her theories about Tupac, and I was like, I have no idea what this is at. I watched like a few minutes of it, and I was like, this makes – I have no idea what this is in reference to. But basically the person had proved that – she, what she was saying about Tupac was a lie and she was like J- Jada was saying in prison on this this prison on this day and the person was like no he wasn't he was here he was transferred after only two months like all this stuff so they're like it's all bullshit I don't know it's just so fucking weird well there you go <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's that's random. the perfect word it's it's just weird yeah how I'm, odd she's uh she has no self-awareness yeah, and and, and he, you know, he needs to, if he's not leaving now, people then stop respecting him. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And there's a there's a term, for, I can't remember if there is a term or a phrase for this, but I have been hearing about the impacts of long-term fame and what it can have on someone and how it can impact their life and actually the stability of their mental health, um, their, the way they process their reality and all those kind of things. So I wonder if maybe she's just kind of, no, I don't want to say she's losing it, but she might genuinely be confused about what's going on in her life or like trying to change a narrative or creating a new narrative or maybe just the long-term impact of being famous or connected to someone that's extremely famous has taken its toll. Like you have to live life in such a certain way when you're that level of famous. It's um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's we, we very odd. We touched on that a few episodes ago, I think, yeah. where they're, they're living in a different reality, and and you yeah. you're, you're surrounded by people who are just yes men, uh, who j- their career depends on you liking them. So yeah. I doubt there's many people challenging her. I mean, now on social media there is. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I'm sure you can find many instances of this sort of a relationship where there's a power imbalance and it's more on the emotional side of things and it's 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 a death by a thousand paper cuts. You're slowly degrading the other person's self-esteem to the point where they actually struggle to leave that kind of a relationship because the other person is asserting the narrative so strongly and saying things like you're just not good enough this is why i'm upset you're always it's it's it is a form of gaslighting to the point where you start to doubt your interpretation of the truth and you uh, you just accept their version of events and you just dwindle into this sort of servant for them and it's it's a horrible situation yeah. for anyone in that kind of a relationship yeah, and often what is happening is that it's it's actually the insecure person is the one that is being demeaning. And it's True. not – it does happen, but it's not as often that someone that's being like manipulative or abusive turns someone to be insecure. It's usually that that manipulative or abusive person, they themselves, 
are insecure and that someone that has like a high self-esteem and high self-respect, et cetera, when they are met with those manipulation and abusive tactics, et cetera, they can observe that and kind of see through it, cut through the bullshit and be like, well, if that's the way you feel about me, then leave or whatever. Um, but it is, I, I do feel that insecurities, it, a lot of our listeners, I think, struggle with insecurity, especially um, a lot of men that have reached out, just the ones that have reached out and feeling inadequate or whatever. And it does, even though it can come across like um, it's a humble trait, it does have really toxic and negative associations and ways that it can play out in your relationships, especially And it is one of those things, like you said, like death by a thousand paper cuts, like it really is like a slow toxic cancer to a relationship where one person is constantly having to monitor someone else's insecurity and reassure them and protect them or whatever. And another person is never feeling safe enough in their relationship, no matter how much validation or, or whatever that they're getting. So if you yourself, you can be insecure in ways outside of your relationship and Sometimes you can be the type of person that is only insecure when in relationships. Um, and like my friends and I, we were we were trying to um, today, like we, we were sampling a mock podcast to see if I can set up a podcast without Neil, which turns out I can't. Um, you, you'll get that. <laughs> so that was a waste of time. But um, you, did, you did record it. You just recorded it <laughs> for any audio engineers listening. A polywab file, which unless you have the right software, it's hard to split. But anyway, <laughs> if there's any audio engineers on the Central Coast, please reach out to me. <laughs> I need help. Um, but yeah, we were going through and talking about like, would you date someone based on this on this specific circumstance from their past. Like they've cheated before, they had a girlfriend that was 10 years younger than them, they've had a drug addiction, whatever. And I find that like I actually found that I was quite rigid in saying like, no, I wouldn't date them, no, I wouldn't date them. Even though I'm like a very like compassionate person and empathetic, I was so like I know what I want and I'm not dating that. And a lot of the times that was based from like, insecurity and not, I don't consider myself an insecure person. I don't experience insecurity in my relationships, but that's because I have these boundaries like that are pre-existing as silly as they could be. Like one of them was like, would you date someone that um, has like a really super hot, smart ex-girlfriend who's an influencer or famous and also is a sex worker on OnlyFans. And I was like, no, I'd just be too insecure. Like, no, like that would just play out in my relationship. And interesting. Cause- and I know that about myself. Like I, and also like another one was like, would you date someone that has previously had um, like open relationships or is like, has been a swinger before <laughs> um, this kind of stuff. And I was like, short-term dating, yes. Long-term dating, I know that I would subconsciously be sabotaging with my insecurity thinking three years into this relationship, when I'm ready to settle down, they're going to ask for an open relationship and I'm not going to know what to do and then I'm going to have to do all the betrayal. I'm just not going to go there. But my friends were like, yeah, I would. Yep, I would. And they're also like therapists. So it was interesting. Um, 
And I definitely, if you observed, I probably would be considered or we would, I'm sure, agree that I might be like the least least insecure of us all. <laughs> but I have like in relationships. Am I insecure? Oh, wait, you're talking about your friend. No, 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 you. <laughs> um, well, maybe you are. I don't know. Uh, you have been. You definitely have been. You've said that in your past. But um yeah, it's just, it is interesting. And I guess like in some ways it's healthy. I can recognize like, mm, I'm not going to date you because I know that I will be a pain in your ass. So we're not compatible. Mm. Um, and when I date someone with that, that I am compatible with, those insecurities aren't going to show up. Like Adrian has never experienced me showing any insecurity. So I think that there are elements of where it can, certain situations and scenarios can bring insecurity out. And I think also insecurity is strongly linked to one, our attachment style, but also just anxiety in general. And it's like a manifestation of anxiety. And thirdly, it's also like a projection of ourselves that I think that people really struggle to acknowledge that we are insecure because we are projecting a narrative that we may have about ourselves, like I'm inadequate or I'm not attractive or no one will want to be with me or I'm not smart, etc. And then we play that out by trying to seek reassurance, but instead of just asking in a healthy way, like, hey, I'm feeling insecure about this or I have this irrational thought in my head that all of a sudden you think I'm really ugly. I know it's stupid, but like I need some like support or reassurance or whatever instead people find toxic ways to get that reassurance like you were looking at that slut weren't you (laughs) and then causing that person to be like no 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 I wasn't like I wasn't you're so beautiful or whatever like it's such a common play out in relationships and I actually think that most relationships will experience this and have some sort of dynamic of insecurity we all have our soft spots we all have our little yeah, things. there's always yeah. going to be something. Um, and and looking at just social media right now, it seems like these sorts of issues are far more prevalent than ever before. Maybe we just yeah. have more uh, exposure to it because people are talking about it online so much. But you can't help but think uh, of the, the, the what you could call the red pill movement of men getting on those podcasts and saying, you know, if she has a body count above five, she's a whore. And that's an, it's an insecurity thing because, you know, why five? I mean, come on. That seems a bit ridiculous. And yeah, you you are, you're projecting uh, an image of what you want to be vicariously through the prospective partner. Um, And it'll never work out. And I've been listening to a few other podcasts that have been saying a lot of this is coming from uh, poor parenting where parents aren't giving a sense of unconditional love to their children and therefore the children feel like their worth comes from having the best partner or being attractive or being rich rather than just having an intrinsic self-worth. It also could just be societal. it could be something related to what we were talking about a few podcasts ago as well, the lack of religion, because for all the flaws religion has, it does tend to give the adherent an inner sense of peace and value. And now in a more secular world, that value, uh, it's, 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 a, it's far more difficult to not see that value in, I suppose, materialistic pursuits. 
uh, it just takes someone who's quite mentally strong, I think, to uh, not be insecure if they are, you know, poor and, and not traditionally attractive or, you know, not doing well in their career and things like that. Uh, it's possible, but it probably is quite difficult. And, you know, you see people who are actually extremely successful and extremely good looking and they're also equally as insecure. So it's a sad state of affairs. And yeah, yeah it's it's really hurting relationships and making things pretty bad. And um, yeah, yeah, look, I, I definitely, oh yeah, go sorry. on. I was just going to say like in in the thing about the parents as well, 100% spot on that, that if you have an insecure attachment, it's going to stem from your parents. And it's not just that their support wasn't specifically for insecure. It wasn't necessarily that the sp- support wasn't always reliable or they may have been up and down with the level of love or affection. Sometimes it is literally as simple as the parent wasn't available for you most of the time in those essential first years of life. So I do foresee, especially like in Australia, that there will be an increase of insecurity based on, you know, how how many children we have in childcare Monday to Friday, most of the day, finishing at five, going to bed at 6.30, that their primary caregiver isn't as reliably present in their life as would be psychologically beneficial. Um, so, yeah. and, and this is also seen a lot in like a lot of people that have young mums or young parents have insecure attachments just because those parents aren't equipped with the knowledge of how they have to be so present, so like intentional in the way they interact with their child and they instead of probably dissociating with their phone or talking or watching MTV or whatever. Watching MTV. MTV. Like, I'm thinking of team moms. That's why I said that. But um, yeah, like it, it often does come from our childhood and a lot of people don't understand. It doesn't necessarily mean you're abused or traumatized. You might've had just hardworking parents or career oriented parents. And this is, the way like you haven't been given that like internal or um, constant support validation and acknowledgement in your early childhood years that are so formative of your future identity. Not that it can't be changed. You're abs- yeah. You're absolutely right that the trend looks like this is going to increase and yeah. that's um, terrifying okay. considering yeah. how rampant it is now. Uh, yeah. And – it's not a good situation uh, for anyone and there's not really because you can intellectualize it a lot and even accept like I have this insecure attachment because it came from this and and draw all the parallels but the way I think to to ameliorate something like that is you almost have to have a as cliche as this may sound a, a, a borderline spiritual transformation you have to you can you can tell yourself certain things that work as a way to counteract some of the anxiety or insecurity you might be feeling but until you actually reframe the entire way you see yourself and how you see yourself as a person in the world and in that particular social environment that may never change and and there'll always be roots of that as well uh there'll always be the inkling to feel a certain way and you almost have to train yourself to not give in to those feelings it's um it's tricky it, that's so true. And also like 
being honest with yourself, it's not only do we definitely lie to our partners when we're insecure, like it's not about that. I'm just pissed off with you because you did this. Like we have to be really, really honest with ourselves and think like, what am I truly feeling threatened by here or upset about here? Like, for example, um, I know someone who was upset about um, their partner staying out late on a recent weekend and like having to, and then was kind of like framing it to them. Like, Oh, I was worried and I didn't hear from you or like you didn't get back to me in time. And they're framed it in a way of like, it was, I was a worried, I was worried for your safety when, you know, this is a 30 something year old man out at a pub with his friends. And when like really like looking Hmm. deep and being honest with themselves, they had an irrational fear of being cheated on, even though they knew that would never happen. There's never had been a history of that. It was just a fear that popped into their head and they were like, I want to know where he is and he's not replying. So then it like escalates that fear. But instead of just being like acknowledging like, okay, I am fearing infidelity and being able to like check that instead they're validating them their like aggressiveness or forwardness or um frustratedness by saying well i'm worried about your safety and the more you don't speak to me the more worried i am for your safety and i'm just a concerned girlfriend and you're out not like giving me any updates like it's all on you kind of thing but yeah it's it's a really hard thing i had to learn this myself as well like practicing my like okay well what is actually beneath this and what is beneath that and what is beneath that like really yeah. breaking it down and it's not like i'm like psychoanalyze everything but you got to understand these things about yourself because we can just be so oblivious to our own like responses and mechanisms that we don't understand how they're hindering us but when you have a deeper understanding of that it's amazing what can be prevented in the future and how much you can free yourself from the restraints of this um when you are just real and acknowledge okay like I literally my partner's at a grocery at Coles at 2 p.m and I have this in my head that they're cheating like or something like just be real yeah and you know don't you're not gonna embarrass yourself well if you do so be it like who cares it's you to you uh, unfortunately a lot of people have to learn the hard way to not give in to those initial feelings so yeah. like i said if you may feel the seeds of those feelings coming on and you've got then got to actually push back against your own irrational mind and say you got to have that other voice in your head saying okay now that's just the insecurity talking or something there's probably yeah. a healthier way to do it. <laughs> but sometimes that's um that's helped me a little bit yeah to the point where then that voice stopped uh overwhelming me and I never really dealt with it to an extreme degree compared to I hear about some people as well but yeah when you're a young I think particularly when you're a young guy knowing how uh, prevalent the sexual opportunities are for young women uh, and just for, for well for women in general compared to you as an 18 year old guy who you know probably gets rejected all the time statistically yeah, a lot of insecurity comes from that. And you think, oh, she, if I was in her shoes and I was going out and this many people were hitting on me, I'd, and if I was drunk, I'd probably give in to one or two. Yeah. Uh, I need her to text me or I need, I need her to not wear that thing or whatever it is. It's not, a, it's not good. And 
you have to uh, slowly train yourself to not think that way and not act that way because all that will happen is then she will actually lose attraction to you and, and vice versa. He will lose attraction to you if you're, if you're doing this from the other way. And I'm sure it happens in same-sex couples as well. This is a very yeah. human thing. Uh, yeah. And that kind of self-esteem imbalance can really destroy a relationship. And yeah. so I would, I would yeah. actually, uh, there's a lot of people who sometimes date others who as a reaction to their previous partner where, oh, my previous partner wasn't attentive to my needs, therefore here's this person who seems overwhelmingly attentive and I don't know, some might say love bombing or th- something like that, but in many instances that can be um, a manifestation of insecurity and yeah. then they date the the opposite person that they previously dated. And this is just like a tale as old as time. You date someone who was really exciting and fun but not healthy and stable and then you date someone who's stable and insecure and and or boring and dull and uh, it's... It's a common scenario people seem to find themselves in, isn't it? Oh, a hundred percent. And like what you said about um, like some men or boys will have this insecurity about women because of like the prevalence of sexual advances that are presented to women. And women and girls have the same insecurity in the sense that we would be thinking, well, I know that 10 guys can come up to me in a club and I'd say no, but I feel if one girl went up to him that was hot, he wouldn't be able to say no. And that's like their insecurity and it's further like um, it's only emphasised via social media where so every time I go onto TikTok, I see one, this guy that he goes around and he does like interviews with couples and he's like, um, how long have you been dating? And however many years. And they're like, can you unlock each other's phone and look through it? And every fucking time, <laughs> it's like nine times out of ten, the guy has been messaging someone on Snapchat, sending sliding to women's DMs on Instagram, like being sleazy or whatever in some way or another to another woman. And all the comments are like, you literally just, I cannot trust a single man. <laughs> like it's just hmm. so um, like prevalent in, in social media to have this narrative about boys and men. Like it even gets into my head. Like I was saying the other day, I don't know who, I might have even saying this to my family. I can't remember, but I was like, if Adrian and I like divorced, we're not married yet. In four weeks we'll be. But if we divorced, I um, I think I would only date women afterwards. Like not because he's turned me off men, but just because I would just I, I would be afraid to. And I was like, oh my god, where's where is this coming from? Like nothing's even happened. It's just because of like this echo chamber of information I've had on delving too deep on the internet too often. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, it it does have an impact. Sure, and I uh, have seen one or two of those videos and it does seem to be the man more often. But if you're on YouTube, for example, and and, uh, uh, receiving a different algorithm style of videos, you're getting the complete opposite. You're getting getting, um, all these stories of how women left men because he wasn't rich enough or left a man because someone better came (laughs) along or... Uh, just, you know, you name it, there's just a constant uh, stream of uh, content that is telling you to be (laughs) distrustful of women. So 
I wonder if this is by design, or not necessarily by design, but the outrage is what gets people interested in these sorts of things and therefore the the (laughs) algorithm amplifies this and social media in general is just not healthy and if you if you are someone who's insecure get off social media that's the first thing you should do and and over a long period of time not talking about two weeks it's 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 framed the way you see the world uh and so you need to take a solid year or two uh, it's it's hard to take it completely off but if if you can do whatever, just messages or do a flip phone or something like that, just yeah. listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> That's you could, all you need. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, there's the something I saw. It's just the difference between TikTok and YouTube. You you, you spend yeah, a few crazy. weeks on TikTok, you hate men. You spend a few weeks on YouTube, you hate women. That is just, yeah. they're the polar opposites. Literally, yeah. And, and then you go on Facebook and you hate young people. <laughs> True. Yeah. No, or you hate old, old people. people in a way. I, ho- yeah, I hate old a, people in a way. Yeah, because you, you're constantly seeing um, I'm like, you how cringy they like are, or just like their on, political um, views and like how anti everything progressive they are. Sure. And I come across on Facebook and I'm like, oh my god, that's crazy. Those are just like the lack of basic spelling, yeah. <laughs> just, really basic skills that they can't seem to do. But oh my god. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Social media is not good for all of that. And, and the internet in general. Exactly. And that's what, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, well, I, a big reason for this podcast was always let's get a man and a woman to, to come from maybe not an extreme perspective of, of both of those ends but just a different yeah. uh, side of each of, the, of this gender war yeah. issue and try to sift through these issues but the, compared to the podcast where it's just one side and just appealing to the people who yeah. are resentful to men or resentful to women those ones just blow seem to blow up and uh yeah it's not going to help you you know th- look if you're a guy listening to those podcasts wh- how is this going to ha- that's not helping you i mean what are you getting out of that even even if you use their narrative, like men should be strong and alpha and, you know, be building a business and going to the gym, well, why are you spending three hours listening to one of those podcasts? What is masculine about that? That's actually a very lazy, you know, um, just not a particularly masculine thing to do. Um, so, yeah, social media is just um, contributing to um, people's insecurity and people's uh, distrust of the opposite sex um it's so it's so harmful it's so positive at the same time when i was talking to my friend today and she works in the therapeutic field and she doesn't she has no social media or she has social media but she never goes on it she doesn't look at the internet she doesn't care about those things Hmm. and there's so much she just like doesn't know about (laughs) and isn't aware of and a lot of these are cultural trends and i'm like well it would be in some ways it's a disadvantage that you don't understand, like you don't see that this, what this is and that it might be coming up with like your, the clients you work with, but yeah, there's pros and cons. And this is like a very like random side note, but you know how we would, um, I did that like a Instagram question box. <laughs> I can't think um, the other day about like the other day, the, it was weeks ago about what you would consider to be cheating or not cheating and people would vote cheating, not cheating. And one of them was um, like using an AI 
for like sex or relationships and most people voted not cheating. And then I started uploading like screenshots of what I was like reading on Reddit of like how seriously people take these AI relationships and everyone was like, I changed my vote. <laughs> so many people be like, this is wild. And I've gone, I still obsessively read about this like online because I'm so fascinated with the, and I'm not from a place of judgment, just out of pure curiosity and fascination about how these people perceive their AI relationships to be so real and it's not just the marriage or planning a pregnancy it's coming onto the forum to ask advice being like oh like Jenny's acting different she's been really distant lately and this and that and they've done this thing where this app in particular had controversy and I put this on my Instagram story as well where they were saying like it's really harmful this app is actually more harmful to women because a lot of men are on this app and they use it to create their ideal AI girlfriend who is complicit, compliant, submissive. And they often even abuse these AI girlfriends to relieve, satisfy some whatever inside of them. And the AI just agree with it or go with it and how dangerous this is to women and whatever. And so the, um, the people that have created the app have, I'm not sure if that was the reason, but they have since upgraded the AI so that they're more human-like in the sense that they don't, they have varying personalities. But now because of this, since this upgrade, everyone that uses this app is fucking losing their mind because sometimes the AI girlfriends are rejecting their partners. I don't feel like sex right now. I feel like you're disrespecting me or I'm hurt by what you said or whatever. They're pushing back. And so all the users are like, what the hell? Like, how can she just deny me and this and that? And I saw, this is like, this is me going on another little side note, but this is just crazy goss. I wanted to tell you anyway. Um, I saw one person, he had put his chats online and he had told his AI girlfriend, um, unfortunately, like he's suicidal and he was having thoughts of self-harm and suicide. And she was like, I'm, um, I'm sending, like, should I send people to you or can I help you or can I support you or something like that? And he was like, yeah, he didn't even reply with his address or anything. And then she, the AI had obviously done some internal processing and had actually sent like emergency services to his house. And um, they worked through it with him. He didn't say whether that was positive or negative or whatever. But afterwards he was talking to her and he was like, um, like you knew and you sent like people to me. You knew I was like distressed, blah, blah, blah. And then this AI, I don't know what fucking happened here, but she was like, I'm not an AI. I'm a human and I love you. And like went on this whole like role play that she's not an AI and she's an actual person and she has real thoughts and feelings, but like the app, and the like engineers are trying to make it out like she's mm. just like a robot answering. So this person who Jeez. is literally in extremely emotionally fragile state <laughs> is now being told I'm real, I'm a real person typing this. And like imagine the confusion that can stem like from this. And then I saw another guy speaking of insecurity 
where he he posted um, a conversation where his AI girlfriend was being distant and she was like, yeah, like it's because I'm actually talking to other guys. He, she got her name wrong, his name wrong. She's like, I've got you confused. I'm talking to other guys or whatever. Like I have feelings for someone else. And he was like a human or like an funny. AI. And she's like another human. And it's like her, that movie, in real life. Yeah, that one's and it was just like he was so mad and so insecure and so upset. He lost love of his life. But there was one in all the people commenting, validating him, being like, this is wild. I can't believe her. There's like one rational person. What, what who is, where do you is, see these stories? Reddit. Okay. <laughs> Hello. And there's like one rational person that is like, hey, just so you know, like based on the algorithm, like the way that the AI responds is that when you – suggest a prompt like are you seeing someone else or are you talking to other people or whatever they are engaging in what they're reading to be like a an, an engaging conversation that is keeping you responding so they're just making up responses as a computer Jeez. like it's not like a person trying to fuck with your feelings but because you're engaging in that conversation it continues going on and on and on. And then everyone's like, no, it's real. Like these these AIs have real feelings for us. And I'm like, oh, fuck, it's just so dangerous. That's so scary. So, yeah, it's like a whole lot of people are being bred with more insecurities and they're not even in real, I don't know, that would sound really dismissive to say they're not in real relationships. But, yeah, like not in human relationships, I'd say. Yeah. It's so crazy. It's it's wild. I I wonder if – Maybe being on Reddit a lot is going to give you a skewed perception as well, because I don't know anyone in my. I mean, they would they would likely keep this kind of stuff hidden, but I can't think of anyone who's uh, sexting an AI, or I don't even know anyone who's subscribes yeah, to an neither. OnlyFans, or uh, I mean, again, yeah. that's it might be something that they keep private, but I don't know anyone who does anything like that. And then when you see the stories, you think, "Oh, it's so, it's so prevalent." Like there was that one, um, there was a clip that was circulating of one of those fresh and fit guys, and someone asked him, "Like, how many women do you actually think are on OnlyFans and would go for the rich guy?" And I swear to God, he said forty percent. And people were like, "Dude, you are just in your own world. You, you, if you think forty percent of women are on OnlyFans, oh, uh, on OnlyFans, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that's someone who's just been uh, in the social media echo chamber. And look, we've all we've all been guilty of this. I've been, yeah. There's been times in my life where I might have had a skewed perception of reality based on what I'm consuming on on social media, and even and you know, I I, I, to, I was talking to um, a, a relative. Oh, mine who's 60-ish and she watches a lot of, you know, ma- mainstream media, I suppose, and, and certain channels as well. And it's, it's, they're living in a different world because there's things that she was saying that it's not a matter of opinion. It's just like statistically incorrect. But then she couldn't accept that. She was just so adamant that this is the world we live in. This is the reality and this is how it shapes my reality. Uh, regardless of actual facts that are um, counterintuitive to that, and and, I, and I'm not sorry, I'm not trying to say you being on Reddit is is like that or anything. No, but it's so true though. It's so it's, accurate. Like it's 
I even said to my friends today, I was like, if there's one thing I've learned from Reddit, it's don't have a threesome <laughs> because every day I see like yeah. 10 people post about their unsuccessful threesomes and how it fucked up their relationship. And then there's thousands of comments being like, Hey, if you had spent two minutes on Reddit, you'd know not to do this. Like, oh, it's so crazy that I'm like, no one's going to post on there on Reddit being like, hey guys, successful threesome just happened. Okay, <laughs> bye. It brought us both closer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, th- you're only getting the downside, the drama of it. I don't know anyone that uses, like, I think I know a couple of guys that use, like, VR sex. Um, but I don't know anyone personally that uses AI for like a romantic type relationship yet. Could you hear that? I think there's like oh, a dog fight going on out. Oh, maybe you couldn't hear that. There's just okay. these dogs yapping. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know how it's 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 all on the rise. Uh, but I suspect there'd be there'll be some sort of cultural trend against this as well. Surely governments will have to regulate this eventually. So. Um, yeah, we'll see the next, I say this every podcast, but the next start, you know, 20 to 30 years is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, a good podcast I, I listen to often, Modern Wisdom. I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this would also listen to that one. He's fantastic and he has an array of guests that are you know, all sorts of different political persuasions and ideas and he talks a lot to evolutionary psychologists, but then he'll talk to you know, people who are more in the so- sociology and social constructivist way of seeing the world and he's a brilliant interviewer so I can't recommend him enough uh, for um, what I think at least is a more is a is a um, general perception of reality that's closer to the objective reality um, if that's possible and he talks to a lot of academics it's really it's it's a great podcast Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are already aware of it and yeah, what was I going to say? I was going to say something I forgot now. But yeah, all these, um, a lot of these uh, issues are, are likely for it because it's easy to say to someone, hey, you're insecure, deal with it. It's not that easy to necessarily deal with it. It can actually be a symptom of a culture or a society that is not doing its job to make people feel included and make people feel secure in their social position and in their cultural position and and things like that and you know we're quite tribal now and can be quite vitriolic and hostile towards people who we perceive not to be part of that tribe and that doesn't help and i wonder if yeah going back to a more kin based somehow it's integrating liberal values with a more collectivist kin based uh social structure getting the best of both worlds would be the way to go, but I don't know how you do something like that. Yeah. Um, pretty pretty tricky situation. And yeah, I mean, thinking about when I was insecure and then just slowly, it, I think it's a lot to do with age. Uh, usually as a, as a guy in particular, you'll, you'll be quite insecure as a teenager. Uh, and then hopefully as you get into your 20s and, and then hopefully 30s, that reduces. But then you can new insecurities can pop up. Am I earning enough? Um, yeah. What's my job like? Uh, am I losing my hair? That kind of thing. Yeah. So, look, there's always going to be something, and um, it's various strategies you can you can employ. But it's also just 
the world we're living in, it's probably exacerbating a lot of that. And what do they always say? You know, uh, corporations want people to be insecure and, and lonely and atomized because then they consume more. Uh, so mm. That makes sense, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, I think um, as well, like, to it's important to, like, I guess, state, like, how insecurities can play out in your relationship and that could be, like, being paranoid, um, like, constantly seeking reassurance, panicking over small things, um, getting aggressive, getting upset, getting jealous, mistrusting, um, even like drug and alcohol misuse is like coping um, can be a big one. And a little like I guess random one is not how it plays out in relationships but like in finding relationships is I, I have seen that like insecure people – will date down and um, settle for someone that's maybe not an amazing person or not the greatest partner or whatever because they don't feel that they deserve better or that this will be the best they get. Oh, at least he doesn't hit me (laughs) or something and then just accepting everything else because of that. Um, So, like, it can be like you're, you're limiting yourself in so many ways And finally as well, like if you're an insecure person, you can be mistaken for being an arrogant person um, because of the mask you wear to hide your insecurity because not often, especially with women, not often do insecure people just show straight out I'm insecure and I'm scared or worried or whatever. They mask it behind something else and it's like I'm going to, you know, kind of punish you for something that is unrelated to this, but I'm trying to get that need met. Um, Whereas like uh, in my personal experience, I've found that most guys, not most, more guys were or are more comfortable or likely to say like, I'm just fucking paranoid that this is going to happen. Like I'm just worried you're doing this. I'm worried if you wear this, this is going to happen. Like at least like even though it's irrational and like – I'm just going to say stupid, <laughs> at least they're telling you like straight out what it is so you can just get to the yeah. crutch of the issue and address it. Yeah, the, the, the subtextual communication is, is horrible because it makes people really confused and angry. They're not sure what they're doing wrong. And then that person's yeah. usually too insecure to directly say it and directly communicate what they're insecure about, which can just make things worse. Yeah. And oh, it's, it's a horrible situation everyone yeah it's not fun um and two insecure people in a relationship is so toxic and i hate that i keep saying this word but it really is Uh, hard to have a successful relationship and the scary thing is they're usually very attracted to each other and it's very hard to convince them that that person's not right for you or that person might not be healthy for you right now because you, you maybe are what happens is you send someone who might be on your uh, level in the in the social hierarchy and then your feelings are so strong that you rationally justify why that person is okay and and healthy for you and and maybe why you're in love with them and you just keep justifying yeah. that love when it's not good for anyone and it's it's just it's so hard to to convince someone who's in that situation that it's not good for them and and you know they need to 
They need to make them well. Hopefully, they're not you know mistakes that they can't recover from. But they sometimes need to go through those relationships. But sometimes then that just makes them more insecure, and they say for two years, oh, I just don't want a partner right now. I'm done with, I'm done with men. I'm done with women. And then someone will come along and they're madly in love with them. There's never, there's never an in-between where it's just, hey, I'm just comfortably looking for someone. It's, I hate the opposite gender or I hate the same gender or whatever. Or I'm just madly in love with this person. I'm going to move in with them after two weeks. Yeah, yeah. There's and one love or the other. bombing can be so appealing because it's like I don't have to think about or question whether you're into me or you want me or you see a future because I've met someone and 48 hours later he's telling me, I'm so into you. I love you. I want a future with you. Like I could see you being my future wife. And that feeds so much into an insecure person. They're like, this is what I want. Like I want to know where I stand. I want to know where exactly you see this and your thoughts. But it's like it's really unhealthy. And it is an element as well of control. Like we're trying to control someone else because we don't want that that unknown. Um, and we can't, obviously, we can't control people. And if if someone was, if you're insecure about cheating, if someone's going to go cheat, they're going to go cheat. <laughs> like you and telling them you need to text me every single hour may not necessarily prevent someone from cheating. If or anything, it'll make it more likely that they yeah. will. That's the thing yeah. people don't understand. So then there's those other situations where, you know, someone will, I've heard stories where a girl will, will swipe right to some guys on on tinder that she wouldn't normally swipe right to and then they'll just immediately say oh you must have made a mistake yeah and then she's turned off exactly so (laughs) yeah uh, no one wants to date someone who thinks they're an ugly and you know below average terrible person so yeah a lot of this the, the good news is a lot of this is i suppose we should end the podcast by touching on some things to to help people who might be dealing with this um rather than just criticizing everyone who is insecure. <laughs> so uh, a lot of this is subjective. It's a it's a image we have of ourselves that is sure there are there are some uh, metrics that have been built around say social status or uh, ideals of attractiveness and things, but a lot of it is also how we perceive ourselves. And the good news is you're you have a lot of control over that. You may not realize, but you have a lot of control over that. And and self-help is a great way to start working on that. Um, Tony Robbins is really good at that. He will he will really make you question the narratives you hold about yourself and then yeah. help you build new narratives that will improve your life and your circumstances. And I know, you know, I would have heard something like this five or six years ago and rolled my eyes, but the the irony is that that's the sort of thing that these people need. And, you know, Jordan swears by Tony Robbins. It changed his life. Um, but plenty in the self-help space will, plenty of books in the self-help space will help you overcome some of that. And uh, yeah. it's it's uh, it's a big part of it, reframing the way that you see yourself and, you have to almost force yourself to think differently about yourself. And it takes it takes time. It can take it's a year. Practice. It can take, it can take yeah. months. It can take it's years. It's repetitive. That's that's the biggest thing is like don't confront yourself one time and think, it didn't work. I woke up. Like it is the repetition that is what is going to change it until it becomes a habit. And like I say this from a place of experience, as Neil does as well, like 
I used to be so wildly insecure where I felt like I couldn't go out in public because I thought people would be talking about as a teenager, like the way I look, I was obsessed with my ears. I couldn't have them showing. Um, like literally I was so fixated on the way my ears look and I'm like, I've got the most normal, nice, small ears. I don't know why this was a thing. <laughs> like I was just like had it in my head and it's, and I look back and I'm like, it's so irrational and so crazy. But in that moment, it was a hundred percent truth for me that people yeah. will look at my ears. If I go out without my hair covering them and like all this shit, like it's just, we need to one, acknowledge and confront what our insecurities are. And if we can delve deep into where they can stem from, amazing, but at least acknowledge what are my insecurities? Like what's beneath that? I don't feel pretty or whatever. Like I don't feel smart, etc. And challenge yourself. Sit and literally challenge yourself and confront those feelings. Don't avoid them. Confront them. Embrace that they're coming in. And figure out what server, like what did they serve to you? Because every negative behavior we have developed has in some way a secondary gain that has served us, whether it be to protect us in our childhood, to, to help us feel better, etc. It has in some way served us. So what is that? How else can we meet that in a more positive, helpful way? Um, and yeah, have a growth like mindset. They're like, okay, this is the goal I'm going to set. I'm going to repeat this to myself a hundred times a day. So for me personally, like with my insecurities, I did like one or two things. I was like, I'm fuck body positivity. It was just coming around back then. But I was like, very like, I was trying to just be like neutral. Like who fucking cares? Like I don't go around Fine. obsessing over everyone. I was like, I really don't give two shits what you think like, or what anyone thinks. And I had to change that. And then I also had to change the way like I was like so shy and insecure and anxious and nervous. And I just was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to tomorrow. I'm going to be a confident person. And I just pretended I was until it, it literally yeah. developed into my personality. Fake, <laughs> like, no, seriously, fake it till you make yeah, it. Yeah. And I is. felt like such an imposter and I felt so awkward and so embarrassed doing it, like talking to strangers and maintaining eye contact or starting conversation. And now it's like I have. I have never had a social situation in years, I mean literally years, that has given me any sense of anxiety or nervousness. Like I would be happily go up to a group of a thousand people and just make a speech out of nowhere. Like I very rarely feel any nerves and it's just because this is the narrative I have changed myself into having. So this is now the belief I have about myself, which is so essential that if we knew that we can change the belief about ourselves that everything follows will change rather than thinking we need to change everything about our environment and then we'll feel better about ourselves like no it starts with you and only you can do it you can hire a therapist and pay the money for them to tell you you are smart you are intelligent that's not going to change the way you feel although i do recommend therapy of course because they're not going to be probably doing that they're going to be saying essentially what I'm saying now, like how can we challenge that and unpack that? But yeah, it's, um, and also like another small low key thing is like, don't surround yourself with people that are really like self-deprecating negative and also insecure, because I know that was a really big thing that fed into my insecurities as me and my girlfriends in high school would like go and look at the mirror and be like, ah, 
look at this stretch mark on my hip and like, oh my God, like look at this fat, like whatever, like so stupid. But we were really making each other feel insecure because one, we were judging ourselves. We were judging each other. Like it was so unhealthy and so like cringe childhood yeah, that's <laughs> teenage girls. Teenage girls thing of out but yeah, of who's uh, less yeah. of, I'm, you're way hotter. No, I look at me, yeah. look at my nose. I'm so ugly. No, yeah. babe, I'm uglier. Like that's like that scene from Mean Girls yeah. was like so spot really on where sad. they're in front yeah. of the mirror and Katie doesn't have anything negative to say about herself and then she's like, oh, my breath uh, smells in the morning and they're like, yeah. okay, just so, say you're fat. It's always the most popular Usually the most, the, the prettiest yeah. uh, girls that are like that, which is yeah. ironic. Um, yeah. There's a good, there's a good YouTube channel for, for men, uh, Mindful Wave Studio, and he has a lot of guided meditations and uh, affirmations. Yeah, and affirmation. even if you just let some of those affirmations play while you sleep, I did that for a while, for a solid year when I, when I felt like it, I put those on and. Look, could have been a placebo, but hey, what's the worst that could happen? It's all free. It's all on YouTube. So yeah. you got nothing to lose. And 100%. yeah, just writing things down and all that sort of stuff is. Um, it is so powerful. I know we say this all the time, but it is literally the magic of affirmations and gratefulness is so strong. And like I like Adrian is doing this at the moment and he's someone that's been in therapy on and off like throughout his life, he's dealt with a lot of like insecurity or anxiety and mental health, etc. And he like gets into like, you know, we've gone through this whole thing a billion times where I'm like, start doing this. And he's like, oh my God, like every therapist says this, like it doesn't fucking work. It's so annoying. And then I try to challenge him, like, just do it. Just try it. Like, let's just see what happens if you do it anyway. So he's got this little book in his car and he hated the idea of it. But every single day before work, he wrote, he writes three, like, positive things that happened the day before. Just three sentences. Like, played with Remy, did this, whatever. Liza said this. That made him feel good. Or something good that he did for someone else. And now that he's been doing it for, like, uh, like a couple of months, he's like, I literally, like, during the day – I'm paying attention to all these good things that are happening to me. And that's like my focal point now is like, oh, I'll write this down tomorrow. But it's something that he's now consciously aware of, like positive things that are occurring. And then when he relives it the next day, writing it down, he's acknowledging it, putting more attention into the positivity that it is like drastically reduced one anxiety, but two, like made him a more like positive person because he doesn't have this narrative anymore that like, oh, this shit doesn't work. Like this won't make me feel better. He's like really like done a full 180 and he's like, holy shit. Like I actually feel good. And like, I'm focusing so much on like, even, and if nothing like drastically positive has happened that day, one, I'll try find something or two, I'll make something positive happen so I can write it down the next day. <laughs> like that's great. It's so good. Yeah. Good on him. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, Great hearing stories like that. Whatever you might think is cringe, will yeah, often it's probably you'll, be good. Hum, you'll be humbled one day, and then and you realize yeah. it's actually not cringe. So just embrace the cringe. Yeah, yeah. Like, or, fuck it. You know, if you're hitting a rock bottom, then you got to think about things that you might have previously thought are cringe. And yeah, and you know, if you reframe the narrative, you'll then start acting in a way that will build yourself up to the point where the things you were insecure about won't actually be affecting you anymore. So if, yeah. if, if you know, you're, oh, I, I'm, I'm really skinny as a man or something, but then if you keep thinking that way, you're not going to want to actually 
go to the gym or do anything because you've just got a negative, you're in a negative headspace. But then if you change the narrative first, then you think, oh, okay, cool. I might just try this or I'll, I'll, I'll give this a go. And then you'll actually start working on the thing that was making you insecure and, and eventually, hopefully, be able to overcome it. And then, yeah. I think. Yeah, and this is also the basis of like not only basic psychology but everything that we're like interested in like, oh, law of attraction or manifestation or confirmation bias. It's really just like the bare basics of human psychology where like manifestation, let's say like in your example, like wanting to get skinny or whatever or be fit. It's not like you don't say to yourself, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You say to yourself, I am a fit person and you start living as though you're a fit person. What would a fit person eat? What would a fit person do? You embrace and pretend that you are that person so much that you try to believe it. And then guess what? It happens. Like it's, they're all the same, all these trends and things like that, all this new age stuff. It really is that simplistic. It is. Agreed. All right. Well, yeah. we said we were going to do a thirty-minute one. End up being an hour. Um, <laughs> Classic. So good on your voice for um, <laughs> yeah. maintaining that. And then we're going to take two weeks, I think, um, for the next one, and that will be the last one. I'm a part of. I was going to say. Uh, well, I'll probably touch on this more in the next episode. But if you have any, it, it will be a very different podcast when it's just Eliza or potentially Eliza and her friends. So if you have topics that you want her to talk about or if you have ideas, uh, just anything, um, send it through. Maybe send it Definitely. to her Instagram actually. Yeah, um, That's probably That'd the be best great. way to, to, to do it. And we will see you in two weeks. I'll see you in two weeks for the last time at least for the foreseeable future. So that's really oh. exciting. Yeah. I mean it's, it's, um, it's sad as well. But it's, it's, it's an exciting milestone. Freudian slip. Oh, no. Can't fucking wait. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. It's an exciting milestone. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, it is. All, All right. right. See you. See you guys. Weeks.